You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Joe Clark, good afternoon. Great to be chatting with you again. And you, Richard. How have you been during this mighty fine lockdown we've been enduring? Oh, exactly, <laughs> yes. Uh, for our Sydney listeners, I'm sure, and others have been in lockdown for a while, but uh, yeah. just in the last few days, it's all uh, locked down in our region, in Newcastle. And, yes. Uh, yes, I'd rate my um, how am I doing at maybe a five out of ten. <laughs> okay. It's been a yeah. bit tougher. Yeah, it's a mix. In some ways, the familiar means, uh, okay, I know what this yeah. is about. But in yeah. other ways, the familiar was like, oh, no, I know what this is about. So there was, uh, the, you know, just a mix for me. Yeah, which, right. Uh, I will oh. continue to process probably yeah. uh, get, get used to it in a few days. Yeah, there's definitely complexities around lockdown that's just so not part of usual life as well mm. um, and kind of COVID rules and things like that. Mm. Yeah, how are you mm. going with it? Uh, well, I think as a a single woman who lives alone and loves alone time, <laughs> I'm deeply relaxed. <laughs> um, and I'm so, in awe. I'm in yeah. awe of you, Well, it it has been a lovely um, kind of spiritual, physical, health wise re- reset for me so mm-hmm. far. So I'm I'm not so um, I'm not ignorant of the extended lockdown experience that I've heard from friends. So mm. I'm mindful that this is a novelty at the moment, but mm. yeah, enjoying some, um, yeah, some kind of reset recovery time. Yeah. But yeah. here is my COVID dilemma. Oh, good. Let's hear so it. So I live, I live in an apartment block and when you, if anyone lives in an apartment block, you'll know there's occasionally just some rubbish floating around. It'll fly out of a bin and because it's not any one person's responsibility, it just can hang about a bit. So as an, a long-term resident of my apartment block, I will pick up the rubbish. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks ago, I noticed that a regular point piece of rubbish was a face mask. And I was like, ew, I don't want to touch <laughs> people's face masks. But then I thought, oh, no, it's just rubbish like any other. And I thought, maybe I'll get some tongs. And I thought, no, that's overkill and would look kind of funny. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to pick it up by the string, right? Mm. But that got me to a bigger dilemma. Because now I think I know who is just dropping their face mask when they get out of their car because it's repeatedly next to someone's car. And oh, I'm like, really? yeah, so I'm, here's my dilemma, how to be a generous neighbour when I suspect someone's just dropping their face mask. Oh, that's I quite know. a question. I know, because two weeks ago I could laugh at it and say, ha, 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 no COVID, I'll just pick it up. Now mm. I'm like- Man, I have to wear a face mask just out of my door in the corridors. That's mm. part of the rules. Mm. So I could, what? And so I'm just, it has turned out to be one of my peak godliness challenges, just yeah. praying for my neighbors and saying, I don't even know if this is them. It could be someone else and the wind has carried it, or it could be unintentional. <laughs> it's just flown out of a bin as the bin was being emptied, gotten stuck in a bush and happened to every single day end up next to the car. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, are, we, uh, are you turning to surveillance? Uh, are no, you I have going down I've, that pathway. Yeah, good question. It is something I have been tempted to. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> but I've also decided that generous assumptions and just a continued process of picking up rubbish is my mm, goal. Mm. Um, but of course, I haven't left the house much because I've been indulging and in staying at home. So yeah. I am unaware of the mask situation of the last two days. Yeah, and it's been a blissful ignorance. So okay. I'm going to stick with that for a while. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you're going out on rubbish duty sometime in the next few days. <laughs> I will have to. You know, I, um, the classic rubbish duty pickup is the magazines, like the, what are they? The yeah, junk, the, mail. junk mail. Yeah, that's the, that's the one that gets me every time. I feel like I should get you one of those um, richy, grippy things that uh, you see in toy so or in <laughs> professional cleaners. Just I've considered can- it, but then I thought, if my father ever saw me, he's passed away now, but if he ever saw me doing that, he'd say, what do you need that for? And so <laughs> anyway. Uh, in honour of your father, you are <sighs> not. In honour uh, of my father, I'm just going to wash my hands afterwards. <laughs> what about you, brother? What's been um, happening? Oh, look, I thought I'd share. So um, I could, a book I've been been reading, a, uh, mm. a non-fiction book, um, which has been, it's, an, a, it's a biography and it's, uh, an autobiography, and it's one of the most powerful autobiographies I've ever read. Um, Whoa. Not that I've read loads, but seriously, this one is powerful. It's called um, With the Old Breed, Breed. Sorry, I'll say that again. With the Old Breed by a man called Eugene Sledge. And uh, he was a Marine for the US, um, yeah, for the, for the USA in the oh, war wow. in the Pacific and uh, fought at the battles of Peleliu which is a very small island near the Philippines, and mm. the Battle of Okinawa, which is a kind of stepping stone oh, wow. to mainland Japan. Yes. And, um, yeah, another podcast I listened to sort of put me onto this book. Um, I think it, it was possibly influential in that HBO series, The Pacific, which I never saw. But yes. um, uh, people who know military memoirs know, know this one for sure. So, um, uh, And uh, it's just so powerful because Eugene Sledge, he's a pretty ordinary um, U.S. Marine, an intelligent guy, he actually um, survived the war. Obviously, he wrote the memoir and uh, went on to become a biology professor. And oh um, goodness, uh, yeah. And then in his seventies, wrote this down as a way of um, at his wife's suggestions of sort of coping with the memories that we still he was still carrying many years afterwards. But just a really gripping account of these events, uh, presented with um, accuracy, um, mm. detail enough that you can really picture yourself in the moment. Um, wow. He doesn't have a lot, any bravado about how brave and powerful he is or how glorious mm. war was. Or, mm. um, and he shares just genuine things like, like wrestling with his attitudes to the enemy and, um, mm. and hatred and, and understanding, um, wrestling with fear. Um, and uh, so I thought just I'll read a, read a quote um, as he's about to um, – uh, do go into the landing at Peleliu. He's on mm. a, a boat that's floating outside, just out off the landing. It's called a, he calls it a tractor. And he says, um, waiting is a major part of war, but I never experienced any more supremely agonizing suspense than the excruciating torture of those moments before we received the signal to begin the assault on Peleliu. Um, wow. Uh, I broke out in a cold sweat as the tension mounted with the intensity of the bombardment. My stomach was tied in knots. I had a lump in my throat and swallowed only with great difficulty. My knees nearly buckled, so I clung weakly to the side of the tractor. I felt nauseated and feared that my bloody bladder would surely empty itself and reveal me to be the coward I was. But the men around me looked just about the way I felt. Uh, and so, Whoa. I mean, it's just, it really gets you in the, in the, in that, in that time period. You could picture it. You could imagine being there. Mm. Uh, he's not a hero. He's, he's struggling and, and yet, you know, goes on to do very brave things. But, um, so, uh, yeah, I thought that, I mean, the, the, the biography was, was engaging, gripping. Mm. Um, it certainly has helped me not complain about the minutiae of my life. <laughs> mm. Um, and, um, 
yeah, just a, a greater appreciation of, of how terrible war is and what it mm. and and how important it is to avoid at all costs. So mm. yeah, kind of heavy, but that's what I've been reading and really enjoying. And that's the benefit of a non-fiction book to read, isn't it? That you mm. enter into something like that, and a biography, I should say, not a non-fiction. Mm. You enter into a world of someone else's world, and it helps you to count your blessings, <laughs> be thankful, <laughs> yeah. and reflect on other people's experiences. Oh. Sounds like it's been really impactful. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So um, some good stuff there. Uh, mm. But the Bible is yes. also impactful, Joe. <laughs> what a transition. Uh, <laughs> I would agree the Bible is impactful. <laughs> I've been impacted in a big way by uh, reading Psalms a lot and mm-hmm. Psalm 142 verses uh, 1 to 3 has mm. been brilliant. Um, I'll just read that as well. Um, mm. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. And I was reading that Mm. and that just hit me because um, what he's describing in verse 1 and 2 is just telling God what is in his heart. Like Mm. um, it's not very spiritual. It's, It's just anything... Yeah, his anxious thoughts, his fears, his worries, mm. uh, his concerns, grievances, he, it all just comes out before God in this prayer mm. kind of thing. And uh, that caught my attention because um, that's been one of my prayer habits over the years now, just to mm. make sure that before I get on to praying about other things, I really bring to God what's on my heart. Mm. And um, David is doing that there, I think. Mm. And then... Mm. There's that note of encouragement or that strong encouragement really when verse 3, when his spirit grows faint, it is God who watches over his way. Mm. So God is uh, is watching, you know, in our weakness, in our mm. despair, in our crying out. So mm. I just mm. love that. I'm interested as well when it says when my spirit grows faint. Do we think that that means when my heart feels unable or when I just can't do it? Like how would you put that in? regular words because that's how I've always read that when my spirit grows faint within me when I don't feel I'm up to whatever is facing I'm facing or it's mm. not my spirit as in the holy spirit indwelling me it's my courage maybe or yeah i think all what you're saying there uh, joe is how i'd be reading it my my mm. inner self my mm. sort of stronger self my, mm. my who i am just that feeling of weakness, faint, mm. Um, mm. about to, yeah, collapse entirely, if not already collapsed. Um, yeah. So all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've come up with a theory over the years. We all have our way of saying, "I've had it. I've had it enough. I, I just don't know if I can do this, or I'm, mm. I'm reaching mm. my limits." Um, so there's there's someone who says, someone I know who says, oh, it's, "It's just not right. Things aren't right." And after a while, I realized, oh, she's not talking about lawful, mm, right? Or right. She's talking about doable or, or good or able or in herself yeah. acceptable. Like, and and whereas for me, I, I just I think I I can't do it is a might be a phrase that I might use. And so I'm so glad that God meets us in that place. Yeah, yeah. What that we saying, can cry out to Him in those moments. Yeah. What you're saying reminds me of a, a Christian saying that I've I've heard other people correct and say, no, that's not right. There's a sort of Christian saying that says God won't give you what you can't handle. A lot of people <laughs> point out and say, no, God may well give you what you can't handle. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, and um, this would be a psalm for those occasions. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And and in that moment, 
when we're not handling it, we can go to him and we can cry out to him. And mm. um, and because it's funny, I, I wouldn't say I ever identify myself as a crier outer, but I definitely have times <laughs> where I'm, I just verbal process to God my concerns. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's a crying out posture. And so, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I'm. As I say, this applies to me. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm like you. I'm not literally sort of screaming on the rooftop yeah. or um. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes I can hear people talking about crying out to the Lord. I'm like, wow, I don't really identify with any kind of like <laughs> crying out behavior. But then I think about it, I'm like, oh, actually, my posture is definitely like, God, <laughs> help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm. Anyway, so oh, it's well, 142, that's... loving that. Yeah, um, I reckon that's a good one for – and it's interesting that he's in the cave when he's praying that. Like it's mm. obviously one of those times when I can picture him in a dark place. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So um, Bible loving it. Uh, what about you, Joe? Uh, what well, are you reading, thinking about? I've had the classic experience of trying to teach something in a pastoral context and then realizing there's been a book written exactly for that purpose. And thinking, <laughs> oh, I'm so thankful. I hope it can arrive in my inbox, my mailbox really soon. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for anyone who hasn't met her yet or heard from her yet, Patricia Wirakun, um, and I'll include the link to her stuff in our show notes. Patricia Wirakun is a Christian woman. Um, who's got 35-plus years' experience as a doctor and a sexologist, so mm. a specialist doctor in sex. And um, she's this huge character and personality, but the way God has used her in Australia and beyond is to help Christians understand God's design for sex and yep. um, teach that to each other. And I, you and I have been long fans of Patricia Wirakun's yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. And we've heard her live at some different things, but she's also got this great writing ministry. And so my friend Wit and I are leading a growth group together and we decided that something we'd like to do this term would be to teach and grow alongside our growth group in talking with children about God's design for sex, Yeah, uh, particularly because most of our group have children. Yep. And so a particular pastoral opportunity for mothers and fathers. And so we mm. thought, okay, this group of mothers, mainly mothers, we'll, we'll talk about that. And so we whipped out a bunch of Patricia's books and thought we'll use this as a bit of a starting point mm. and we'll read the book, have some discussion, and then we'll try to finish in some Bible together in this group. Mm. And so I just thought I'd talk with people about um, the books that we came up to, uh, uh, we read, and just recommend them. So first one that I just think this sentence is just so perfect, Richard, and it's so simple. She's got this book called Growing Up by the Book, which is the one for 10 to 14-year-olds. So a yep. parent would read it and then read it with their child. Yeah. This is the one paragraph that just stood out to me. It's on the in the introduction, first page. This book looks at what it means to be a sexual person, but in the most important way, God's way. God's way is not about obeying rules. It doesn't just say do this or do that. Instead, it starts at the beginning, and the beginning is not us, but the God who created us and loves us. Oh, that's so clear, so simple. So I know. It just makes you want to read the book. Yeah, I know, because <laughs> I, um, t- I confess, haven't read the whole book because I just was like, oh, you know, skim it. Um, but it was just such a great introduction. And I thought, oh, a ten to fourteen year old reading that, I would love to see that moment where they think, oh, yeah, sex isn't about me; it's about God first. That's good. Okay, yep. Um, and the books are really great. They're structured with things like ask mum and dad or a thinking spot or an mm. alert, and it, they're really great. Yeah, um, they've yeah. got age recommendations on all of them. But the other thing we did was Patricia's f- books for children, little children, mm-hmm. um, are called Birds and the Bees by the Book. Oh, yeah. And it's a series of six books. Have you read these? 
I haven't read those, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, we um, spent time this week talking about pornography and one of the books is Learning About Pornography. Mm. And strong recommendation for that book. It just is such an accessible way of talking about pornography with a child from age 7 to 10. Um, Given the age of exposure is so young, given it's around 8, I just found this book. I, for myself, it talked about what the experience of looking at pornography might make your body feel, but also what does God say about what pornography is and what God's design for sex is. Mm. And it was just so simple. And I think it would be helpful for adults to read. (laughs) (laughs) So strong recommend if you are thinking about um, any issue around sexuality or sex, she'd be a writer to just go and have a look at her her writing catalogue. But the exciting news is she has just literally last year released a book, Talking Sex by the Book. Every parent faces the need to talk with their child about sex at one point or another. And so she's written this book on that topic. That's the blurb. And so That's so good. I know. So it's on the way in the mail to me. And I don't know what we'll get for it from our growth group, but um really excited to have a read of what she suggests just for parents reading that book, talking about sex with kids and stuff like that. So Yeah. Well I've got one of her books coming in the mail as well. I bought um Teen sex by the book, I think. Yeah. So um, somehow yeah. I ended up with two copies sitting on my desk right in front of me right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I have to return the church's <laughs> book one. I think maybe that's yours. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Um, excellent. Well, thanks so much for those recommendations. It has yeah. been great talking about um, good writing from Patricia about the yeah. topic of sex. I'm just so thankful and, to God uh, for her and for her work. And yeah. more than that, she helps me thank God for his design. It's good. <laughs> so good. Mm. Um, now, before we go, I thought we might give a quick plug to our HBC Church Online during this yeah. um, time. Yeah, um, people should come along. Join us. It'll be great. Yep. It is, mm-hmm. um, if you're listening to this church and if you, oh, sorry, this podcast and, yeah, you're wondering about reconnecting with church in some way or checking out church for the first time, there's no easier way to do it than um now, when we're in lockdown, we're running a, a great um, HBC Hunter Bible Church online experience. Mm. You'll meet mm-hmm. some people. You'll hear the Bible taught. Um, there'll be some music played. It's a really easy way to um, check out church. So we'd just, uh, yeah, love to invite you. Love to hear from you if, uh, yeah, you choose to join us in that way. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Keen to do that. Well, it's been good to chat to you, brother. I hope um, this week of lockdown goes okay. I yeah. won't see you around, but I'll probably talk to you over Zoom sometime. Yeah, I look forward to it. All right, okay. thanks, Joe. See you later. See ya.